is also is introducing us to what we're calling, calling the discipleship path. And the discipleship path is just as described, it's a path that helps us to be disciples, helps us to be followers of Jesus and to grow as followers of Jesus. Now, you'll notice this path up on the PowerPoint, and there's, first of all, what we call first steps. You're going to hear us talking about that in the next few weeks, and it'll be an opportunity to go and learn what are the first steps here at New Hope Church in terms of following Jesus and being a part of the New Hope family. We are a family, and we'd love to have you be a part of the New Hope family and to grow in the New Hope family, and so we'll take first step. Now, maybe you're here and you're exploring, who is Jesus? And you just need to know more about who he is. What did he do while he was here? And we call that explore. You're exploring, perhaps, who Jesus is and what he accomplished on the cross. And then, after explore, you'll notice establish up on this baseball diamond that's not a baseball diamond. Um, but uh, it is a, a path around, and the reason why it's not a baseball diamond is because you can enter in to first base, second base, third base, wherever you're at this morning. But anyway, um, so secondly, you can enter in and be established. And this is an area where I have particular responsibilities here at New Hope. And so you're going to hear a little bit this morning about small groups and the opportunity to get more established through our small groups. You're going to hear a little bit about what we call our discovery class, which happens at 9 o'clock, and some of you already attend that class. It's a place where we get established in God's Word. And then we get equipped. Some of you say, well, I'm pretty well established. Now, we always need to keep growing, but some of you are ready to be equipped for leadership. And so... Some of you are saying, well, I just don't, I know God calls me to lead some things, but I don't know how to be a leader, and so Pastor Ryan is especially leading that initiative, and you'll be hearing more about that as time goes by. And then fourthly, if you know Jesus, then all of us are called to engage both locally and around the world in sharing the good news of who Jesus is, His love, His grace for a hurting world. And so that's the discipleship path, and all of us have a place. All of us have a place on that path. But today we're especially learning about how God's Word helps us to grow. And so if you have a Bible, open up your Bible to Psalm 19. Whether it's a paperback, hardback Bible, or an electronic Bible, either way it's God's Word. And we're going to start with verse 1 to provide the context for a little more study in verses 7 through 9. So verse 1 through 6 tells us that God reveals himself as creator. He does it all the time, every day, everywhere. He's continually speaking. Psalm 19 begins, it says, The heavens declare the glory of God. That is, the skies declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day they pour forth speech. Night after night they declare knowledge. And so God tells us that he communicates to us all the time, everywhere. He reveals himself to every person on the planet universally. The passage goes on, verses 3 and 4. There's no speech or language. 
where their voice is not heard. Their voice goes out into all the earth, their words to the ends of the world. Now the theological designation for what's being talked about here is called general revelation. That word revelation, just don't be scared by it, just means what's revealed. General means everywhere. So God reveals himself everywhere around the globe to all people. He speaks in their language. He shows all people who he is, especially as creator, especially in his power. So that the tribesmen down in the Amazon jungle can look around and he can see a leopard, he can see these trees and come to the conclusion there must be a creator. Someone cre created all this here. He can look at the Amazon River and say there's a creator of the Amazon River. The person over in Europe who perhaps is a scholar can look up in the sky. Maybe he's an astronomer. PhD astronomer, and can come to the conclusion that all that's created the beauty of the sky has been created by a creator. You and I can look out. We see the snow, and we can come to the conclusion, who created the weather? We should come to those kinds of questions and an answer that there has to be a creator. God speaks all the time. Here's the problem, though. Nature is very limited in what can communicate. When we look out at nature, we can conclude things about God's power, about his creativity, but we don't really know about who God is in his character. We don't know what he's done. We don't know about Jesus. So, for example, the golfer can be out in the golf course, makes his or her putt, and say, oh, yes, there must be a God. And then they miss the next putt. Now what do they say? The astronomer can go up and come to the conclusion that there is a God who created everything. But then we have the Russian cosmonaut. Remember, those of us who are older, remember the Russian cosmonaut went up into the sky and came back and said, I didn't see God up there, which is kind of goofy anyway because God's invisible, but that's what he said. And then you can have the backpacker who goes out, sees this beautiful sunset, and says, there must be someone who created the beauty of the world. And then the next night their tent gets blown away. And now what are they concluding? And so my point is that nature is very limited in helping us to know who God is. So what Psalm 19 says is that God, therefore, has communicated to us with words. And these words tell us much more about who God is. And just like a person, if you meet someone, maybe you can describe them. They're short or tall. They got blonde hair or brown hair. But you really don't know someone, do you, until you enter into communication with them until you interact and they share their experiences with you, you share your experiences with them and you go through some things together and you reveal what's going on in your heart and your life and then you really get to know someone and so God in the same way communicates with us his mind, his heart 
And that's what his word is. That's what the Bible is, God's communication to us. And so verse 7 to the end of Psalm 19 tells us how God does this, how the gospel is revealed more deeply in our lives so that we would understand it and accept it and apply it in our lives, how he transforms us through his word. So verses 7 through 9, the human author of Psalm 19, David, tells us how God's word worked in his life and how he came to the realization of how much he needed God's word, how much we need God's word. And you know, perhaps some of his story, the troubles and trials he went through, the family tensions, that some of which he caused by his own actions, some of the things that happened to him. And he tells about how God's word ministered to him during all those times. And in fact, when you read through the Psalms, we really get to know how God worked in and through David's life. And as God brings us his word through the prophet David, what we find is that God's word is sufficient to meet our needs. Verses 7 through 9, if you have a Bible, follow along. This is the NIV. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The ordinances of the Lord are sure and righteous altogether. So, if you look real closely, you'll see six lines of thought there. And you'll see that different versions have different words that are used, slightly different. But you notice six titles for God's word that are in these verses. For example, law, statutes, precepts, commands, fear, and ordinances. Then you'll notice seven descriptions of God's word. It's perfect. It's trustworthy. It's right. It's radiant. It's pure. It's sure. It's righteous. Now we could slow down here and talk more about each of those words, but for our purposes today, we want to get to what it is that God's word does. And so we're going to look at the end of each of these lines. How does God's word grow us? What does God's word do is what we're answering here. And it says that God's word revives us, or some versions have, it converts us. It transforms us. When God's word penetrates our souls, when the curtain is drawn back and we understand God's word speaks to us and helps us to know how to trust in him and how to grow in him, how to become more Christ-like, how to be transformed. God's word revives us. It takes us from death to life. Then it makes us wise, makes wise the simple. And here there's a contrast of two words, wise and simple. So let's talk about simple. The word simple, the Hebrew word simple, is a word that also could be translated an open door. A simple person has an open door. And so the word was used, for example, if a door was open and crickets could come in and grasshoppers could come in and Frogs could come in, and evil people could come in through the door. And what the Word of God is saying is that if we don't watch the door of our soul, all kinds of things can come in. If we're not discerning, if we're not aware of 
what's being communicated to us in the media, in culture, from the people around us, on television. All kinds of things can enter into the door of our lives. That, that's a simple person. Point is that there's just a lot of wrong ideas that can entertain us and that can come into our lives if we're not careful, if we're not discerning. But what God's Word does is it makes us wise. And the word wise means to be skilled in the art of living. It means to be skilled in living out life in relationship. In relationship with a husband and wife. In relationship with children and mom and dad. In relationship with people we work with. In relationship with people we go to church with. God's word helps us become wise in doing this. It gives us discernment in situations where we have to make decisions. It gives us wisdom for life. It gives us joy. It says it gives us joy to the heart. Now, those of you who heard messages on joy versus happiness know that the difference is that happiness is for a moment. Happiness is for a moment, like when you go on a vacation, and maybe you go to a theme park. Now, I don't so much like roller coasters, but like one of my sons really likes roller coasters and, you know, a lot of happiness, you know. And fear, I guess, on a roller coaster. But happiness happens on rides at the theme park. But you leave the theme park, you go back home from vacation, that happiness is gone. Then you have a letdown. Oh, i got to get back to daily work. Happiness is short-term. Joy is deeper, and it's long-term. It's what allowed, for example, you remember the, the story of the Apostle Paul who was imprisoned. And it says that at midnight in this prison, he was singing. He's locked up in stocks and bonds in a prison and he's singing. And joy is what does that. And God's word, as God's word breaks through into our lives, it releases joy which can be there, come good or bad. And I know enough of you and your stories and things you've gone through to know that many of you can give this kind of testimony that times when life is really tough, when it's not going very well, but deep down inside, because Jesus is there, because God's word is true, Deep down inside, there's still that joy in knowing what's significant in life. There's that joy in knowing that God gives you peace in life. He gives you a purpose in life. And that's what it's talking about when it says God's word gives us joy to the heart. It enlightens us, gives light to the eyes, helps us to see in this dark world. Jesus says, I am the light of the world. And he helps us to see in the midst of all the dark things that are going on. He helps us to see what's true, what's right, what's good, what's pure, what's lovely. God's word endures forever. It's not altered. It's true for every generation. Doesn't matter what generation we are. Boomers, busters, 
X, Y, Z, millennial, pre-millennial, post-millennial, whatever we are, God's word is true. It lasts. It endures. You know, sometimes people say, well, you know, the Bible was written a long time ago. Yeah, it was written a long time ago. So what? It's still true. And it endures from one generation to the next generation, regardless of whether we have hardback, paperback Bibles or whether we have electronic Bibles. It endures because it's true and right and good and gives us joy and enlightens us and makes us wise. So my question for you, are you ready to grasp God's Word? Are you ready to grasp God's Word? If you have a paperback or a hardback copy of the Bible, would you just take it and put it in your hand for a second? Now, tell me, if you've got a paper Bible, is it pretty easy or hard to hold it on one finger? I mean, it's not impossible, but... Better to have two fingers, right? Then it's better to have three fingers, and then four fingers. But then when your life turns upside down, you better have all five fingers on the Word of God to really grasp God's Word firmly. And that's what we're talking about this morning. I found out about this illustration, the hand illustration, a long time ago. I'm sure you've even taught it here two or three times. But it's good to be reminded of the basics. So that's what we're going to go over. How God's Word changes us through His Word. Here's some practical applications. We've just heard motivation in Psalm 19. Now, here's some practical applications. So we hear the Word. This is one of the ways that we grow in God's Word. Consequently, faith comes from hearing the message, and the message is heard through the Word of Christ. That's Romans chapter 10, verse 17. Now, we're talking about sermons, but really this morning my focus is on the straight dope, on the Word of God itself. And so these are my applications that I'm talking about here, is that most of us just need a straight dose of God's Word. And the way I do it is that I like most days to do some kind of workout in the morning, sometimes on a treadmill, sometimes lifting some weights, and while I'm doing that, I've got some different apps that I use. The one that I use most days is the NIV Audio Free. And so, for example, yesterday I listened to about five chapters of Isaiah, and some of it I'd have to really dig into to tell you exactly what it means, because he was talking about Moab being in trouble, and talking about Assyria being in trouble and things. And I would have to go back and actually study those chapters. But what hearing the Word in big doses like that does is it gives you an overview of God's Word. Now some of you are going to like the Streetlights Bible app. That's kind of a more modern rendition. And then there's another one that I just found. Faith comes by hearing the word, and you can try all those out. And what I'm saying is that these days, we just have a plethora of opportunities to be able to dig in and hear God's word. And you can do that. Some of you can do it while you're commuting. Whether you have a 15-minute commute or a 45-minute commute, just turn on scripture and listen. Then read the word. 
Blessed is the one who reads the words of this prophecy. Blessed are those who hear it. Take to heart what is written in it, because the time is near, Revelation 1-3. Now, what a daily reading program, or like I say, what I do these days is I substitute more hearing the Bible for a daily reading program. Doesn't mean I don't read. I do all sorts of Bible reading, too. But when I first started out, one of the things I did was I went through a navigator's training program, and we just had a sheet of paper that had all the chapters of the Bible on it. And so as we'd read through the Bible, we'd knock off, like in Proverbs, chapter 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, all the way up to chapter 30, and then just keep track of how much we read each day. And you can go online these days, look, type in Bible reading plan, and you'll come up with 10 different versions that you could do this with. And so again, that provides a big overview of Scripture. Also, Katie Fife put on Facebook the Read Scripture app that she's been using. And so I haven't really had time to dig into this, but I looked at it a little bit. And what this reading app does is it gives you an overview, a video overview of a Bible book. And then again, it guides you on daily reading. And so you can check that out as well. Study the Word. Now, before I go on, let me just say that probably most of us do some hearing of the word and some reading of the word. But now it starts to get a little tougher. And now some of us say, well, you know, I just don't know if I can do this. I don't know if I have time to do these other aspects. Hear me out. Now the Bereans, Acts 17.11. The Bereans were of more noble character than the Thessalonians, for they received the message with great eagerness and examined the scriptures every day to see if what Paul said was true. So the context of this is that the Apostle Paul came to Berea, and in Berea, they were presented with God's word, and so what they did is they opened up what for us is the Old Testament, and they began to look through and see if what Paul said was really in the scripture. And so that's why I always say, check me out. Go see if what is here is here. That's studying the word. It's careful reading, but it's also writing. And it's going to take, going to take some time in your schedule. Some of us find that being in a life group, being in a Bible study can help us to study well. Sometimes some of us need a workbook to kind of help work through th some things. But you can, you're capable of just taking a Bible and studying it and coming to conclusions. And so for all of you, I invite you to come at 9 o'clock, room 2, the course that I teach, the Pathways Bible Study course that I teach to pastors and leaders overseas. We're going to take and modify a little bit to fit into our format. And I can teach you how to just open God's Word, go through verse by verse, and study it. It's something that we need to do sometime, somewhere, and my question is, when and where are you going to study God's Word? You're going to have to schedule it, because usually it doesn't happen unless we actually take the initiative to schedule it. Then memorize the Word. And now this wall is going a little higher where you're saying, I can't do this. Tear down the wall. You can do this. You can do it. I know you can. You've memorized commercials. You've memorized songs. 
You've memorized addresses. You used to be able to say you memorized phone numbers, but people don't do that anymore, do they? Um, but, but I know you're capable of memorizing. We have to memorize a lot of stuff in school, and maybe that's why it's hard for us when we talk about memorizing the Bible. You can do this. You can memorize Bible verses. How can a young man keep his way pure, Psalm 119 says. Psalm 119, by the way, is another great chapter of the Bible on God's Word. How can a young man keep his way pure by living according to your word? I seek you with all my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. I've hidden your word in my heart. Hidden it. Memorized it. That I might not sin against you. You can do it. Now, after 24 hours, somebody has studied this. After 24 hours, this person said, as they studied what we can remember, they said, after 24 hours, we can remember about 5% of what we hear. Seems a little bit high to me, but 5% is what they came to the conclusion of. 15% of what we read, 35% of what we study, but how much of what we memorize? Some, some of you say, well, I can still only remember about half, even if I memorize it. No, I'm talking about really memorizing and having it down. You can remember 100% if you actually memorize it. Now, a couple of tools, again, that I've used. One is the Scripture Memory Program that the Navigators put out. The other one is Desiring God as what's called Fighter Verses. And again, modern technological age. I looked it up just yesterday. You can find these apps and learn key verses. What I like about those two programs, the Navigators program and the Desiring God program, is they really have some key Bible verses that they help us to memorize. Now, some of you are saying, ah, this is all too much brain work for me. You're saying, oh, this is too academic. You're doing just too academic. I just want to get into God's Word and have Him speak to me. Well, let's not separate those things. Our brain can be connected to our heart, to our emotions, to our will. Ideally, all those things are working together. And we're not just operating on an emotional impulse and just Going. God is speaking truth. God speaks truth through His Word. And if we know Christ, if we follow God, we want to understand what He's saying, right? And again, I'm not removing, we're not removing prayer as well. Definitely. Prayer is key. Lord, help me to have insights into what Your Word says, into what it means, how I apply it. And this is especially important as we go to the fifth way of growing God's Word, which is meditation. In meditation, we do more than some kind of Eastern mysticism. Psalm 1 says, Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, or stand in the way of sinners, or sit in the seat of mockers, but his delight is on the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He's like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season and will not wither. And so, biblical meditation is 
taking the word of God that we have heard, that we have studied, that we have read, that we have memorized, and then asking God prayerfully, God, help me. Help me to apply what is true. And so, sometimes when I go through for a walk, I'll be asking God, God, I know in this area your word says that I'm to be bearing fruit. I know in this area I'm not bearing fruit. Help me, God, to bear fruit. And I'm thinking about what God's word says, what I've read, what I've studied, what I've memorized. And so that's the process of meditation is connecting the head with the heart, with application, and bringing all those things together. So we're not just brains on a stick. We're not just spouting Bible verses. It's not just something that we're doing with our brains. Okay? You understand that? But we need to do both together at the same time. And that's my invitation to you today, is to grasp God's Word firmly, and in order to grasp God's Word firmly, we need to do all these aspects of learning God's Word. Now, somebody came up to me after the service, and it was kind of an offhanded comment that I made, so I'm going to make that offhanded comment again. I'm not perfect at this. You're not perfect at this. Some days I get up, and I just got to go and do some things. And I miss out on my spiritual exercise. And so there are going to be days when you do, but I get the next day and give it another try. And so that's my encouragement to you is think about this week, this year, what's going to be different? What's going to change in terms of your growth in God's Word? Are you going to Read God's Word better? Are you going to use one of those apps to hear God's Word better? Are you going to have some study time? Are you going to memorize God's Word? Are you going to meditate on God's Word? Now, probably, if, if you can go out tomorrow and do all five of those tomorrow, praise the Lord, go do it. But you're probably going to have to pick one of those out and start with that and incorporate the other ways of growing in God's Word gradually and figure that out and so just come before God today say to him God how do you want me to grow through your word and apply it tomorrow morning Tuesday morning Wednesday morning see what God does we're gonna let Francis Chan have the uh, last encouragement here so just let it be an encouragement to you and then like I say, ask God what it is that he wants you to apply from the message today. When I read the word, I really take it as God's word. I'm praying before I read and I'm asking the Lord to show me like if I've never read before and let me experience him in that time. There's a story in Luke 10 where Jesus enters his house of Mary and Martha and Mary's just sitting at his feet 
glued, like listening to him. Martha's running around doing all this stuff, preparing, and she actually gets angry and tells Jesus, hey, can't you tell Mary to help me? She's just sitting there. And Jesus answers and says, Martha, Martha, you're anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. And when I read that story, I'm like, gosh, our churches are filled with Marthas that are anxious about so much stuff. And I'm not hearing about the people that are just sitting at the Lord's feet every day, doing the one thing that Jesus says is necessary. I mean, don't you think that's a big deal when Jesus says one thing is necessary? What Mary's doing, sitting at my feet. It's the same thing that David says in, in Psalm 27. He goes, one thing have I asked of you, that which I'll seek after. And, and that's to dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life and to gaze upon his beauty. All through scripture, people saw this as the priority. I just want to be alone in the presence of God. We've lost this art of meditating day and night on the word of God, like Psalm 1 says, where we become these trees that are just rooted, but instead we're just blown and tossed by the wind. We're not rooted, we're not strong, we're not deep. And the church needs to get deep in the word, and that happens when individuals get alone with the word of God. Good morning, New Hope Church, and Pastor Tom, thank you for that great message, and, and the reminder that God uses scripture to help us grow in our faith. One of the things we're talking about here in 2019 is January is 